We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 281 of The Pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. Here to get you set for week 18 in the NFL. Uh, we haven't spoken in some time. That is us and our listeners. Uh, we did not have a week 17 podcast. Schedules did not permit it. And um, obviously the NFL community here going through something far larger than football. Uh, we will offer our thoughts there on the DeMar Hamlin situation, which we're happy to say uh, is in a much better space right yes. now than it was 24, 48, 72 hours ago. The progress is being made. Uh, he's cognitively intact. The breathing tube has been removed. Uh, it was even said by Sean McDermott that in the FaceTime that he shared with teammates, he, he let them know he loved them, even threw a little flex for the boys. Um, so all good, all good signs, all things we love to hear. Uh, we're going to button up the Bears season because there is 60 minutes of football still to be played, but let's pretend like it doesn't have to be. Uh, Justin's on the shelf for the remainder. We'll do a little postmortem there. We'll also give you some locks. Matt, one game out in front as we turn our attention to the final week of the regular season. We will then... Uh, obviously offer playoff picks as well to see who gets the golf balls this year. I love the playoff picks for us because I always love how we have to get creative with those. We get creative too. We get creative. I'm going to get a little creative here in week 18 as well, a little tease. And just, just for the people out there, if you're looking for gambling content, if you're looking for a North star, look no further than CBS sports HQ. This isn't just a shameless plug. I've read (laughs) off eight all on the line picks in a row. I give my best bet of the game, whatever the game we're doing pre and post of, uh, and I'm on a freaking heater right now, eight in a row. And uh, we're going to keep a good thing going. So uh, I can only say, don't play my picks here and play my picks on the show because I'm currently 62% on the show. And I am an even 500 here at eight and eight, but Matt, we've gone too far. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm doing lovely. Um, and yeah, we, we were supposed to we always, obviously, you guys know, usually record on Wednesdays during the football season, obviously, with what was going on with DeMar Hamlin and uncertainty with with how he was doing and how what the NFL was going to do. Obviously, that was much, much uh, farther off in importance. But still, we don't want to do a podcast until we had as many details as possible, because as many of you know, we have a history on this podcast of having a podcast and then 20 seconds after pressing save and post what um, we do. You know, news coming out that makes our podcast irrelevant or a good chunk of it. So we're, we're very happy that uh, we, we waited till today and also got, you know, very, very good news regarding Damar Hamlin um, yeah, and, and- that he's you know doing well. And I do want to address some things here, some bigger takeaways, big picture, uh, small picture, whatever it may be. Uh, I'd rather not go back and rehash that moment and what it was. I think everyone's aware of it as a story that has transcended um, football or even sport. It's something that globally, I think it's safe to say, at least nationally, everyone is acutely aware of. And it was one of those moments where um, – you see the beauty in humanity and not obviously in that moment of him being resuscitated on the field or um, the CPR, the heroes that played the role there. I mean, big, big moments that saved that young man's life, but just 30,000 feet, big picture here. I don't remember the NFL community, uh, the United States, like, I don't remember people coming together this way in a very long time in support of this man. And I think it 
it tells you a couple things that, you know, we, it's a game. It's a league that divides us across our allegiances. It's what makes us, it's what makes it great. We hate the Packers. We hate the Vikings. They hate mm-hmm. us. There's rivalry everywhere. But in a moment like this to see everybody lay down their swords and put all the positive energy in the direction of Demar Hamlin, a 24 year old with his whole life in front of him, And thank God that appears to be the case once again, that was my silver lining that obviously you can lean into here four days removed. It was not a silver lining we were seeing right off the bat, but to see everybody come together in support of this man, I think it, it's, it's the beauty to be found in what was a terrifying situation. Yeah. And it's, it's very cool now for DeMar too, that now he's, you know, back and, and responsive and breathing on his own. And, you know, obviously uh, brain function, totally normal, no brain damage, which is fantastic it's gotta be pretty, pretty cool for him to be able to now look back on the last couple of couple days. Obviously he wasn't, you know, conscious for, but to see the outpouring of support and love that went to him, his family, his charity, his foundation, you know, his team, uh, his league, that's gotta be a, you know, pretty, pretty cool thing to see for him and a pretty motivating thing to, for him to, you know, see and have going forward because not many people, you know, get to see that, get to see that outpouring of love that unfortunately only usually, you know, comes with tragedy and, and, and bad situations like that. And that's got to be a, a pretty cool thing for him to be able to see now and look back upon and kind of have, you know, going forward, like you said, now with the rest of his life ahead of him. And that's, that's the big picture here is that um, he's alive. He's progressing. Um, the ultimate tragedy that we thought we might be taking in in real time, it, it doesn't come to that conclusion. And it allows us to look at it from a couple different angles too. And I think one of the interesting angles here is like, we joke about, uh, you know, all football guys, this and that, but for that young man's unconscious body, spirit, and brain, his first thought of consciousness to be his team win. and the game that tells you, a whole lot about what it takes to do what these guys do. And I don't think we say thank you enough. You know, we're, we get jacked up. We celebrate the players when they make the plays. It's great. But like this was an opportunity to sit down and understand the athlete for a moment. I think in that moment and not just to Damar Hamlin, I think thanks is in order across the league because I, I know it means so much to me and you, this game that we love, and I know we're mm-hmm. not alone in that. Uh, it means a great deal to millions. And while it is a game and in moments like this, it's an inconsequential game. Um, it, it just goes to show you like, these are the, this is the ultimate expression of the game that we love and what it takes to be a part of the game that we love. And for that man's first thought to be the game, it just goes to show you how much it means to those who are playing it and that, you know, thanks are in order sometimes. And, and maybe it shouldn't take something like this for us to offer that. Thanks. Yeah. I think that's, that's all very well said. And, you know, one kind of last thing before I, I we don't want to make this a whole podcast about Tamar Hamlin, because I think a lot of things that, you know, every, everything that has been said or can be said kind of has been said, and we're all very, very happy for him and wishing him the, the best in recovery. Um, but I do want to go out of, of my way to make special mention to, uh, yourself, um, the Monday night football crew, the Monday night football studio crew, all the people who had to, you know, be on air in that situation and talk about what was happening, describe what was happening, you know, talk to other people about what was happening without actually having any idea what was happening. 
the way in which yourself and the, the, the live broadcast crew handled that those situations I thought could not have been done any better. And, you know, I know you went to broadcast school. There's not a broadcast, you know, there, there's not a class on, on how to handle situations like that. That's, yeah. you know, you, you gotta, you gotta just go, you gotta be ready for it. And you gotta go. And I thought you handled that with amazing class. And then all your, your interviews, whether it's Pete, uh, Pete Prisco, um, or blanking on the, um, Who's the cornerback from the Steelers? McFadden? Brian, Brian McFadden. McFadden. I yeah. mean, he shared his um, experience at Florida State of losing a teammate during yeah. summer workouts. From like, the top down, you, you guys handled that with, with the most utmost class. And it was a, a very – it's an impossible ask of you guys. And, and you did a spectacular job with it. Yeah, and I think – well, I appreciate those words because um, – Couldn't have been easy. It's – yeah, it's a – it's the exact opposite reason that you get into sports – thing sports are so celebratory and i i've been fortunate to make my life's work of finding the thing to celebrate and this is the exact opposite of that moment this is um you want to be as informative as possible you obviously throw entertainment out the window and you lean on humanity and that's just something that in sitting there and staring down the camera, like there's no question to ask unless you have a doctor in front of you to sort of, I don't want anybody to project anything in that moment other than the way they are feeling and to have former players like Brian McFadden and Brady Quinn and Ryan Harris and Lige Doosable to come on and offer their personal experience. And not just that, like the first question I asked Brian McFadden was, how are you feeling right now? How are you processing all of this? Cause that's all you have in those moments is that sense of humanity. And, um, it was not, it was not easy, but like compared to the people that were executing in those moments, it is a sub note, sub note, sub note, because the two names that I want to utter here are Denny Kellington and Nate Bresky, uh, the two people, the two bills trainers first at DeMar Hamlin's side, um, they made decisions that saved a young man, that saved mm-hmm. his brain, that saved his life. Knowing where the AED was, knowing that CPR was needed in that moment and not flinching. Those are the two people who should be celebrated most in this situation because um, they saved a life in front of us. And uh, we didn't know what was happening in those moments. But looking back on it, shit, those are, uh, those are two dudes who... Um, who came to play on that day because yeah. think they about it. We, we've been on, we've been on sidelines. Trainers are the best people to be around. They're always cracking jokes. They always got seeds for guys. They got gum or, Hey, how about that play? This and that. And to flip the switch full sprint running onto that field, probably subconsciously thinking I'm about to deal with another head injury, get the yep. cart out here and to have to immediately pivot to saving a life was, I, I think the thing that needs to be celebrated most here. So uh, kudos to, to those who um, executed on the highest level and doing their jobs, you know? Yeah. And also got to bring it up. One of DeMar's doctors, Dr. Timothy Pritzen, a Wesleyan graduate from, uh, from 1991. Um, Unbelievable job they did with, uh, with him at UC health. Yeah. And we're just uh, so happy to hear that he's on the road to recovery and um, not just physically, but mentally, it seems that, uh, the the truest competitor is still there uh, flexing for his teammates telling him he loves him and uh 
you know, I think we're going to see a lot of beautiful scenes this week in week 18 celebrating him. I know league wide, there's t-shirts um, for pregame that are being, uh, that are being given to anybody who wants them. I know the bills are going to wear the three on their chest and uh, the league has mandated not mandated, but made it possible that if teams want to outline the three on the 30 yard line in red and blue, um, they're open to that as well. So there's going to be some, some beautiful things to come of this. And uh, it's just one of those moments, man, where I'm so glad we come together, but I wish we could come together in, in moments far less grave than this. And uh, we do. Let's, let's give ourselves some credit in the fact that we do come together around this game and we will again here in week 18. But uh, I think it comes with a different perspective after what we saw here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would have loved to be in the, to, to see the scene in that Bills locker room when, uh, yeah. when Demar Hamlin's face popped up on the FaceTime. And, and like, I, I know, you know, there's no easy pivot out of this, but I think one might be just that, you know, these guys uh, in the Bills locker room, the leadership from Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor, like you got to obviously – as a fan, your immediate mind prior to this situation is how do I get the one seed? How do I win the Super Bowl? Like these are these are teams that are competing for the Super Bowl. And that obviously gets thrown aside, but then you're dealing with a situation where the leadership of your team is tested. And I don't I don't think the leadership of either of these two teams could have passed it with any more flying colors than they did. You gotta feel really good about the people that are in charge of your franchise at this moment if you are a Bills or a Bengals fan, you know? Yeah, I think from top down, uh, those two hand, organizations, franchises handled this with the utmost class and probably you know, the, the best possible way that, that you could. Because I, I know I said it with, you know, talking about you handling this this situation on air, but, you know, when running an organization, there's there's no handbook, there's no rules with how to handle this. You kind of have to, you know, fly by the hip and make your decisions. And it, it seemed like both organizations made the right decisions at every turn. And I know it's not like something we do often, but I'd like to tip my cap at the NFL too. I know the five minute thing is something that reporters wanted to unearth and point the finger mm-hmm. at somebody. Forget that. What they've done since those moments, um, I think they've tried to find a way to keep it fair and equitable and competitive as we move forward from this moment. And uh, the flexibility that the league is showing here in how they're going to handle seeding and playoff and the possibility of a neutral site AFC championship game. I think they deserve um, some credit in this situation as well. And uh, sounds like that's going to be rubber stamped here as we're speaking um, that if, and, and I could go through the permutations as I did last night on air, but if a certain number of things happen regarding week 18 results and we end up with any matchup of Kansas city, Buffalo, Kansas city, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas city, whatever the case may be, we're likely playing an AFC title game in Indianapolis. So a tip of the cap again to the franchises and to the NFL for this flexibility. Um, but man, I was really hoping a, for the, uh, I was really hoping for the one seed. If it's there, the, the, the Bills or whoever's the one seed between the Bills or the Chiefs getting to choose between home field advantage or a or I'm sorry, bye week or AFC championship home field advantage. Yeah, like, I would have loved what to a see the crappy decision that. that would be. Oh, like, I was, no, it's terrible. I was sort of uh last when we came up breaking news last night with that, obviously far less grave, but um I'm uh I'm sitting there talking to Jonathan Jones and I go, JJ, like what what was on the cutting room floor? Like what was discussed that didn't make it to uh, you know, this stage that we're talking about right now, he goes, some crazy stuff. That was one of them. Uh, adding an eighth team was one of them, but that was shot down almost immediately. But again, um, I'm sure they were in crisis mode almost immediately after this, the mm-hmm. NFL. And I think that they've handled it really nicely. I agree. 
I agree. Um, again, no easy pivot here, but let's try. Uh, let's get to the Bears. Um, they come away with a loss, got slapped in week 17. Uh, I, I feel so far removed from it with what happened on yeah, Monday night. And I'd love hard. to I'd love to go in on Maddie Berflus for leaving Justin Fields in the game for, hell, 50 minutes too long, but let's yep. say 30 minutes too long. Um, I don't know what that was about, but now – uh, we're not going to see him here in week 18. There is a quarterback rushing record, I believe 60 something yards out in front of him, but who cares? Uh, your overarching thought here. I don't know if you want to button up week 17 or the season that was for Justin. Um, I mean, take this wherever you like. I, I would like to credit who was, I, I, they left him in too long and that's, that's a, was a poor decision by Matt Eberflus. I still think he's in year one as a head coach learning between the, you know, we're playing to win and long-term preservation. I think that's something that probably comes with more experience as a head coach. And I would hope that going forward, he kind of gets that. Um, I would like to credit who I think is the man behind this decision, Ryan Poles for being the adult in the room and just kind of making this decision for him uh, because it's one that needed to be made. There's as much as I love watching Justin Fields play football and would have loved another chance to see him play against a bad Vikings defense. There's no need for him to be out there. there there's nothing especially with the banged up offensive line, the banged up receivers, both your Khalil Herbert doesn't really, didn't really seem right. Um, there's nothing for him to learn on Sunday. There's nothing for him to develop on Sunday. He's done all he can do this year. And as much as he wants to play. And I, for the I for one love the fact that he's pissed off that he can't play because that's the type of competitor I would like as my starting quarterback. It's the right decision. He's, he had a fantastic year. Are, are there still some things that he needs to improve on? Yeah, we need to see a little bit more consistency in the passing game. I think he took definite steps up there, but there were still some head scratching moments. But also, they need to get him so him get him more help around him. They need to get him an offensive line where he feels secure in the pocket for more than two seconds without without having to bail out. Because for me, that was the biggest thing in the Lions game, as you could tell. I mean, they were in his face after a, a second and a half, and he just had yeah, to bail out. There's nothing he could do, I, and it wasn't all on the offensive line, but when the offensive line is that bad for that long, that starts to sit in the back of your mind and you just start to get accustomed to that. Yeah. I mean, he was like, you could go to one of any million metaphors here, but he was given water and quick dry cement and told to make a wedding cake this year. And it was delicious. Like he gave us how many 60 plus yard runs, how many hair raising moments in what was a season that, I mean, statistically, win-loss column is one of the worst in the history of the franchise. We sort of knew it might look like that with the pieces around him. Now it's on the front office, the coaching staff, to surround him with the proper talent and to then develop that talent quickly because we're talking about year three of a quarterback that we hope can be our franchise quarterback for the next 10, 15 years. The way that Justin plays the game, 15 is probably a hopeful prognostication if he doesn't change some things or if he's not insulated with that help up front. Now, I don't want to go that big picture here. I want to simply lean on the fact that in what was a terrible season, we came away with it feeling like we have our franchise quarterback. And that's an inkling of a feeling maybe we had for Mitch just for a moment. Um, At times slightly. It's something that I felt with Jay for a little while, but like, it's not, it's not a uh, familiar feeling as a bears fan. So to know that we have that piece in place, it makes you feel much closer to the ultimate goal, no matter how far we actually are from it, because it is the biggest piece. 
Now you got to go get the other ones. Um, and I think that that's where the focus should be almost immediately for Bears fans is what do we do in the draft? What do we do with our $100 million? How do we make this team competitive, a worst-to-first team next year? Because with the tools that we have at our disposal in terms of that cap space, the picks we have, everything that we can do to change the makeup of this roster in the next four to six months, that should be the goal is worst to first. You look at this division, like, yeah, the Vikings have had an awesome year where everything's broken their way. I don't fear them. The Lions, they got a great attitude about them, and they're probably squeezing every drop they can out of a dry towel right now. I don't fear them. The Packers, they own us, yes. Did that football team look like someone who should be feared this year? Maybe right now they look a little scary, but I don't fear them either. David Bakhtiari's getting old. Aaron Rodgers is going through a personal crisis. Uh, Yeah, they got two good running backs and a defense that can't stop water. Like, I think this is a worst-to-first situation, and that needs to be the goal for this franchise. Yeah, I I don't think there's any way around it. I think that is the the goal should be playoffs. I guess I just don't want to be told to temper my expectations next year. We were told to temper our expectations this year. We did. We feel good about it. Next year, there's a, there's expectation, and there's expectation in April to draft the right guys. There's expectation this offseason to add to this offensive line, to add to the defensive line, to add to the secondary, to add to the line. I mean, there's so many needs that we're going to have to get a lot of things right. And it's looking like – I don't want to overreact. I, I want to give them an offseason together. I want to give them a camp together. It's looking like the first decision we made might not have been a good one with Chase Claypool, at least – the small sample size that we got. I will hold out hope that he can be a great number two next to, uh, I know I offered T Higgins name uh, on a past podcast or whoever's going to be on the outside as a true number Mm -hmm. one. I think we need a true number one. Claypool's not that guy. I know we need a tackle. I know we need a guard. I know that with that second overall pick or God willing, first overall pick, if we lose Houston wins this weekend, that we could trade back and get the tackle from Penn State at 10 and load up on picks. Or we could (laughs) take Will Anderson or we could take Jalen Carter. There's so many directions that we could go to feel good. I just hope we don't find one to go that we don't feel good about what we've done here in the draft. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of different options and a lot of different ways they can go this offseason. And I like, man, I just want to get to it. Like, I'm I'm cherishing all the football we have left. Part of me me can't wait for the playoffs and part of me wants to see what this roster is going to look like in six months. Yeah, like part of me is just like, just give me the free agency. I want to see what we do. I want to see if we sign Deron Payne. I want to see if we sign Mike McGlinchey. I want to see if we get any, like, I want to see where that money starts getting spent. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm not, I'm going to cherish every football game we have left. And I think it's like 14 or 15 at this point. I'm going to cherish every single one of them. But man, like, I'm, I'm ready for like, all right, who who do we get? What's what receiver are we talking to? Is 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 you know is so and so available? Is Devonte Adams available? Whatever, all this kind of stuff. I, I man, I'm, I'm ready for that because I, there's there's going to be so much change and so much turnover this off season. I cannot wait to see what happens. Devonte Adams and Raiders first rounder for the second overall pick. Who says no? I. Who says what, no? what are they picking? What are they picking? <laughs> 13, 12, somewhere in there? Uh, 12 to 15? I don't know, man. Devontae's going to be 31 on opening day next year. I know nobody wants to hear this. Okay. He's the best, he's the best receiver in the NFL. I don't, I, I, I he, and he's maintained that, that. He's maintained that level for a half decade, maybe longer. Justin Jefferson's great. Don't get me wrong. Consistency, I, I don't see a better 
I don't see a better player out there. And I think he's got three to five really good ones left in him. Like he's got he's got this contract. Did you see what he did with Nathan Peterman throwing the football the other day? I wouldn't say no to that. Hey, hey, Nathan Peterman's our quarterback. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I hope I never have to see Nathan Peterman throw to him. Whatever the case may be. I don't think that happens because of the levers they've already pulled with Claypool to really focus in on wide receiver might be – might be a little bit of I think because the of all are also of, go all of in on Tom too. Yeah, and that would keep him there. Yeah, and, you know we'll have we'll have plenty of time to break it all it's down. We'll find out. Yeah. you said you wanted to celebrate. You said you wanted to enjoy some of these games. Circle one for me. What's the game got your eye on this weekend? Ooh, man. I mean, there's so many situations. I love a I love a nice clean one for the purposes of my show. Uh, win in your in situation with Jacksonville and Tennessee on Saturday. Yeah, that's there the one I'm is, looking for. I think. There is a road in for Jacksonville, even if they lose, but that requires Miami, the Jets, and the Patriots to all lose, I believe. Miami and the Jets play point. each other. The Steelers, uh, okay, maybe. So the that's Steelers. Not it. Yeah, yeah, it is Steelers. It's Steelers. Steelers, uh, Dolphins, Steelers, Patriots. Dolphins, Pats all have to lose okay. for them to get into that wild card. So it's essentially loser leaves town um, situation in that game. And I love, I love the nice, clean idea of it. It's two teams that headed in absolutely different directions. The Jaguars mm-hmm. are surging. The Titans don't know their left foot from the right and are starting a quarterback that wasn't on the team 14 days ago. It's just like perfect theater. I'm not sure it'll be a good football game, but uh, that's where I'm going for my lock of the week as well. Teased it again. Um, what else do we oh, have right there? Me? I'm a Bengals Ravens. I, I know Lamar, yeah. I don't think is playing, but like the Ravens defense has been pretty darn good still. And like, this is a revenge game for the Bengals and they've been playing really, really good football. And I feel like this is kind of a chance for them to really make a statement going into the playoffs. And I obviously Monday night, my Monday night's game against the bills was a chance for that didn't happen, but they, they were playing well in that game. They went down and scored on their first drive. And like, that's a team who has a chance to like last year, kind of show like, Hey guys, we're playing our best football at the best time right now. Again, yeah. like nobody, like they, this is their chance to really be, and like, yeah, they might be the three seed, but 13 and, or 13 and four, 12 and four, whatever it is, like really the team that just absolutely nobody wants to see coming in, yeah, and and, you know, the, the chiefs of the bill, see them coming into town. We can, uh, we can reduce it to the fact that they have what might be the greatest quarterback on the face of the planet, not named Patrick Mahomes right now. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, I think that's a little bit reductive because the defense has been balling and not just that. The uh, offensive line over the six-game win streak hasn't let him get sacked more than twice in a single game. That is, we've talked about it before. That is the line of demarcation. Two sacks or less, you win. Or it's actually like three and a half. Three, three and a half sacks or more, you're going to lose the football game if you're the Bengals. You keep it under that. Joe Burrow's going to put you in a position to win the football game. And yeah. Joe Mixon's been good. Higgins has been great. We know what Jamar Chase is. They got all the pieces again. And I don't know why. Maybe it was that slow start to the season. But, you know, it's not, it's a team that loves to be underestimated. And I feel like we're in that same situation as we were last year. But I don't think you're going to get that same underestimation when it comes to the playoffs. Everybody knows who the Bengals are at this point, you know? Yeah, I I, I would I would very much agree with that. But you, your point about the offensive line was just – it's the, the turnaround they've had, especially losing Lyle Collins. It was a couple weeks ago. You don't see many. Really, you don't see many groups figure it out in season. You know, it's it, usually it's like rare. these are the pieces we're going to struggle. You can piece these are the pieces together and, and they figured it out. Better. You know, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's not like we've. It's not we figured some things out and we figured out how to you know get by. They figured out just 
Yeah, they figured it out. They now yeah. know how to protect Joe Burrow, and they're doing it. So credit to that staff and that offensive line for figuring it out because that's a really, really difficult thing to do, especially with inconsistencies in who your offensive line is. I mean, we've talked about on this podcast a ton, like offensive line play is about – a lot of it's about cohesiveness and really trusting the guy to your right and to your left that they're going to do their job so you don't feel the need to have to help them do your job. You just do yours. And with the, you know, a rotating door and, you know, losing your stud all, you know, all-world tackle and Lyle Collins and still being able to do what they're doing is impressive. Or maybe they went to, like, a ropes course. They, like, did some team building stuff, th- three-legged race. They really can, Maybe they did a, be- a belly flop contest. They could have been a be- Yeah, you can never underestimate a belly flop contest. Or, in the case of the Bengals, Joe Burrow sending them all on a cruise together. That would be – like, I never yeah. – you can't pay me to go on a cruise. I'd like to be on that cruise for a couple of days just to watch that offensive line hit the buffet. Like, that's just – that's going to be Maybe sent them to Skyline Chili. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Matt, let's figure some things out at the week. Have you ever had Skyline? Here. I thankfully I have haven't, and I don't think I, have. I will. Okay, it was how a, was I it? don't know if it was a one-off, but uh, notably watery is how I would describe the chili. You know what? Uh, uh, Alyssa's sister, uh, Elena, was in, was in Cincinnati for a wedding and wanted to uh-huh. try it just out of being there. Said the same thing. I think that I think the problem is that if you don't drain the noodle well enough, you get that residual moisture from the pasta. That Mm -hmm. if even if even if the chili's good, which I don't know, you end up getting that moisture, and then you got moisture noodle weird. I'm kind of shocked that you tried it. It's not great. I'm shocked that you tried it. (laughs) You know me, culinary. Yeah, you you would like turn up your nose at it. Yes. Oh, well, now I do. And I can speak from a point of I can speak from my ivory tower having had it. So fair enough. Um, that, that's why you did it. I'm I'm uh, I'm informed in my uh, in my condescension. Come on, I like uh, Matt. Let's let's inform the people here with another winning wager, because nine and seven had been to the final week of the regular season. Uh, that is uh, kudos to you. I'm an even eight and eight on the year. You got a winner for the people. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to lay the seven with the bills. Um I don't. I still don't buy the Patriots uh, at all. Uh, we saw this matchup a couple weeks ago in New England, and the Bills thoroughly dominated them. And I think you're going to see a very rejuvenated Bills team playing with obviously a lot of motivation, a lot of spark. Uh, and if it, they're still playing for something, obviously they're playing for home field, they're playing for seating. Um, this is a very important game for them, uh, I think, for a lot of different reasons, like the ones we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, but also, like I said, for playoff seating. And I think they're a whole lot better than a touchdown at home, better than the Patriots. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Obviously, some variables in that one. The emotional toll that the week's taken. Is that a bump? Is that a knock? Um, and uh, more than anything, Bill Belichick with a chance to make the playoffs scares me. So uh, you That's are totally fair. You have a uh, better stomach than I for that one. I'm going to take you to a player prop because um, our fantasy guys, our wagering experts, this is the point of the season where you just got to listen to them. And one of the things that they love to do is you find players that are close to big time uh, contract boosts or uh, big time payouts in terms of receptions and yards, uh, incentive based contracts. And you find a guy with incentive, you find a guy in a situation where you, you need a certain number, and those numbers for Christian Kirk this weekend are two receptions, 12 receptions, and 91 yards. Two more receptions. Christian Kirk is owed an extra half a million dollars. If he gets to 12 receptions, he's owed an extra half a million on top of that. If he gets north of 91 yards, 
another half a million. So Christian Kirk is putting on his helmet and shoulder pads with a possible $1.5 million bonus mm. out in front of him here on Saturday in a big game, no less. So it's not like a meaningless game where they could just force feed him and get him his money. But you want to play things that players might be aware of. Players aren't aware of the total. They're not aware of how many they're laying. And even if they are, they're not executing or making decisions based they on They know that. who needs what number, know what, how Trevor many receptions Lawrence or yards. knows that Christian Kirk needs to touch the ball three or two times this weekend. Trevor Lawrence knows we need to get this guy 91 yards. Now, 12 receptions might be a tall ask. That's why I'm attacking the yardage. I'm playing Christian Kirk over 58 and a half receiving yards. I think you see him close to that 91, if not north of it. Get that man his money and get me back to 500 on the season. Or north of I'm like it. 500 right now, 8-8. Eight and eight. I like it. Let's get you back. Let's get you. Let's let's get you in the the black. Don't I guess for, technically five hundred. Don't don't root for me. I root for you, Joe. Don't I, I might not then say. Just send it, the golf but balls now. No, because I'm rooting for me <laughs> You're too. Golf balls. We are a golf Joe, box. If, if we both win out, I win. So let's That's both true. win out. That's true. Okay, you're 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 a real mensch for that, Matt. Uh, Thank you. I don't have anything on the sensory tournament of champions. It was just an e- easy segue there. A couple guys went nine deep in the opening round. Tom Kim one hopped one in. Uh, I believe it was through one round. Rom, JJ Spawn, and Colin Morikawa, who all fired 64s. Uh, they're going subterranean. Check your pressure gauges. Golf is back. I want to play Kapalua so bad. So beautiful. I would, so beautiful. Just, it just looks amazing. But yeah, I, I like this tournament because, like, Romti's off at 4.30. Like, I know. We were me, watching golf at 8 p.m. Yeah, last night. We get excited about primetime U.S. Open golf, and obviously this isn't the U.S. Like when they play it out in the West Coast or when the PGA, PGA is out on the West Coast, like that's awesome seeing it finish at 7. How about like got some 8, 8 p.m. golf here? You got, you got the leaders tapping in for you know their, their pars on 18 at like 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30. It's awesome. It's, it's, light, it's uh, lovely late night viewing when you know the other sports around me aren't keeping me entertained. Babe, you hear that? 9.30 tonight, we got golf. Yeah. <laughs> I just got a look <laughs> from the other room. Uh, I think that's going to do it. I felt that look from the other room. Episode 281. I got to go tend to something right now um, to see if we can get some uh, some primetime golf viewing here, Matt. You got anything else for the people before we say goodbye? Oh, uh, we do have some upcoming mailbags. Uh, nice. From, from guess who, friend of the pod, Rob Gallick. Had a, he, he wants a hockey minute. So next week, we're going to give him a hockey minute. Uh, after Christ. the... Uh, no, but after the World Juniors with uh, hopefully future Blackhawk Connor Bedard playing, I, I think it might be a good time to do a little uh, we'll catch up with the NHL. We'll, we'll catch up with the Blackhawks. Time for it. We will you make picking it. TCU or Georgia? I mean, am I, do I have to lay the points? Because if you're saying head-to-head, I got to go with Georgia. I mean, they yeah. were literally in this game. I love TCU as a live dog. but um, Take the over. Over 62 and a half. That's probably the safest play in that game. That's the official pick of the Moose and Runes podcast. Oh, did you? He made it official, so it's going to go on his record. You no, of, of the Moose and Runes podcast. <laughs> no, I, I didn't sign up for that. Yeah, you're locked into it. I just, I made as the executive producer, I made that decision. Perfect. We'll tack on a win to both of our records this season <laughs> if it comes through, and we'll Deal. pretend like it did not happen if it loses. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, I'll delete it from appreciate the Appreciate you as always. Uh, hug somebody. Tell him you love him. Uh, he is Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the state was phenomenal.